Well, Merry Christmas. How are you tonight? Good. Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles with you. If you've been with us this Christmas season, then you know that we've been talking actually quite a bit about fear this Christmas, beginning with that dark, fearful, lonely place of a shepherd's cave, remember, where Jesus, the light of the world, was born, and continuing even with the peace on earth that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came to bring to replace the darkness and the fear and the loneliness. And so when Craig wanted to continue talking about fear on Christmas Eve, I was very glad to share once more about fear with you tonight. When I, um, when I did a word search in the Bible for words like fear or afraid or frightened and even terrified, I got nearly 600 hits. That's a lot for any one word or group of words. On average, that's almost 10 times for each book in the Bible that fear is mentioned. And, you know, I guess maybe that shouldn't surprise us because life is often filled with fear, isn't it? Fear of death, fear of pain, fear of any sort of struggle, fear of relationships that are tough. And these days, of course, right, fear of the economy and and all things money. There's all sorts of scary, even gut-wrenching terrifying stuff in life many times. We don't often have to look too far for reasons to fear. But tonight on Christmas Eve, I'd like to look with you at one reason not to fear. And it's a big one. It's one so big that if we can manage to fully grasp it, it has the power on its own to rid our lives of fear. And you say, whoa, that big, is that truly possible? You say, yes, it is. It's truly possible to find fear-free living in Christ. And we find the ultimate reason not to fear in that manger. We need not fear ever because God Himself came to be with us as one of us. God came to join us in our fearful lives so that He could first make the way and then show us the way out of living afraid. Now, what I found deeply ironic this week, as I looked at and reflected on many biblical examples and stories where fear is mentioned, what was deeply ironic is how often in the text, in Scripture, the reason not to fear because God's coming or because God came, how often the reason not to fear is the very reason that people are afraid in the Bible. Have you ever noticed that? They're afraid when God comes. Either Himself or or even through a messenger or an angel. It's deeply ironic when that's the reason not to fear. You don't need to read very far in the Bible to find an example of this. It's It's the very first time in the Bible where someone's afraid, and they're afraid because God's coming. You remember the story? It's Genesis 3. Adam and Eve hiding in the bushes after sinning, remember? 
And the Bible says they hid from God when they heard Him coming. Adam tells God they hid from Him because they were afraid. Fear associated with God coming. And continuing on throughout the rest of the Bible, there are many, many examples where God's people even react by being afraid when God comes to them. This happens all the way through the Bible, including in Revelation, when the Apostle John sees Jesus, falls down at His feet as though dead, apparently because he's afraid, because the first thing Jesus says to him is, don't be afraid. In fact, Jesus spent a lot of time with His time here on earth, telling people throughout His ministry, even His own disciples, hey guys, don't be afraid, I'm here. And did you notice, even tonight, fear is all over the account of Jesus' birth, God's ultimate coming. An angel tells Joseph, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. The angel Gabriel sees that Mary is greatly troubled, even though the angel has really only said hello at this point. He hasn't even told Mary what's going to happen yet, and she's already afraid, so Gabriel reassures Mary Don't be afraid, Mary, he says, for you have found favor with God. And what about those shepherds? The rough and tumble shepherds, right? These guys accustomed to fighting off wild animals that are after their sheep. Remember their reaction when one glowing angel shows up. Luke tells us these guys are terrified. And the angel says to him, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. A Savior, the Messiah, is born to you. Why all this initial reaction of fear in the Bible when God shows up? Why is almost everyone afraid when God comes? It's supposed to be the reason not to be afraid. Maybe there are several reasons. Among them, that that, that proper fear, which maybe better in English is translated awe or wonder, but I'm not talking about that kind of fear talking about the fear where you're scared and afraid. Maybe among the reasons, the whole thing is kind of one big scary experience. You don't see every day, right? Bright light and voices and sometimes a fearsome looking angel hovering over you. Read Revelation sometime and get a description of an angel, okay? they, They ain't Cupid. Scary, fearsome beings. But There's another possible explanation, I think, for even the people of God to feel afraid when God comes. I wonder, I wonder if one reason, I wonder if one reason why sometimes even people who know the Lord react in fear when God shows up is they're thinking, oh no, am I going to get it now? What did I do now? What am I in for now? Maybe like how many of us at least felt when we were younger or still feel whenever we heard mom say, just wait until your father gets home. I'm still, I'm 42 and that still scares me. (laughs) Did Adam and Eve think they were going to get it when they heard God making his way through the garden that day? Is that why they hid in the bushes? Is our fear of God coming, even though we believe, even though we're in Christ, we still fear judgment? If that's a reason why we're fearing God's coming, um, that's a shame. 
It's an illegitimate fear. God loves us. He's on our side. We see it from the beginning. Yes, even in Genesis 3, which is often mistaught whenever someone refers to it as the chapter where the Old Testament God of law and wrath shows up to curse everyone and everything for what they've done. Oh, please, read Genesis 3 again sometime carefully. God doesn't curse everyone for what they've done. He only curses the snake. And He tells them the ground has been cursed because of what Adam's done. To Adam and Eve, there are no curses. He doesn't show up with His smite bag and reach in there and say, okay, what am I going to do to you guys now that you've blown it? There's only an explanation that He gives to each of them. A loving warning, really, about what the effect of their choice will be like. What's the effect of your choice, Adam and Eve, to try to do it on your own without God? Adam, because of the choice you've made to try it alone without me, it's going to be hard providing. It's going to be hard in your work. Eve, because of the choice you've made to try it alone and without me, it's going to be hard, especially, my dear woman, in your relationships with your husband and, oh, Eve, with your kids when you see them struggling in a fallen world. These are not curses. They're loving explanations of what life is like given sin. And if you doubt that loving tone of God's words, don't miss the problem of Jesus right smack dab in the middle that one of Eve's descendants will crush that snake's head. And don't miss what God does immediately after talking with them. What does He do? Do you remember? He makes them clothes. Did you know the God of the universe is a seamstress? He makes them clothes. Makes them clothes out of animal skin to replace the shabby makeshift clothes that they made out of the bushes, apparently. This is not the act of a vengeful, judgmental, punitive, out-to-get-you God. No, it's mercy and it's grace. Yeah, even in Genesis, go figure. God is not out to get you. He's out to love you from the beginning. Your Bibles are already open to 1 John 4. We all read from this chapter earlier. The Apostle John, the author, must have noticed... His community struggling with fear of judgment from God. Listen again to John's reassurance. Own it yourself this Christmas time and beyond. John says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like Him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The people of God are not going to get it when God comes. We're not in trouble despite our continued struggle against sin. When God comes to those who believe in Jesus, all God sees 
is his precious son, Jesus himself. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees Christ. When he looks at you and me who are in Christ, he sees Jesus' sacrifice of being born a human baby. When he looks at you, he sees the cross. When he looks at you, he sees the guaranteed life that you have in Jesus' resurrection and ascension. God sees all that when he sees you with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I have one question for you this morning. Do you truly believe this? And do you rely on it? And will you allow it to conquer your fear? Your fear of God's judgment and really your fear of anything. Because as Paul said, since God is for us, who can be against us? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no one. Since God's for us, nothing has any chance against us, not really. So if you find yourself struggling with fear of God or of what have you, take hope. Take hope on the eve of the day that we celebrate God coming in love. I wonder, I wonder if that's part of the reason He chose to come as a baby. Can you think of anything less fearful than a newborn baby? At least one you don't have to take care of. (laughs) Don't miss the contrast. The contrast between God Almighty, Lord of the cosmos, omnipotent, strong, big, wow, and a tiny baby clutching to a young peasant girl. God comes and he, yes, I'm powerful, God says. Yes, if he could, if he would say, I could crush you, I could obliterate you with a shrug of my will, with a thought, and you're dust again. I am that strong. But look at the baby and know that I won't crush you. I don't use power the way the world does to take advantage of you and to exploit you and to work my own agenda at your expense. That's not me. I use my power to help the weak and the lonely and the poor and the slave and those who are in dark, lonely caves. That's what I do with my power. I lift them up. I lift you up in love. Believe it and rely on it. I love you, God says. Look at the baby and know that I love you. And so as the angel said to Mary, I can say to you too, my brothers and sisters in Christ, with confidence this Christmas Eve and beyond, whatever it is that scares you, whatever it is that causes you to live in fear, here again the reassurance of God's messenger Gabriel. Do not be afraid, my brothers and sisters, because you have found favor with the God of the universe. Just look at the baby and know and believe and live without fear because God loves you, come what may. As we close in prayer, Please bow your heads in prayer with me as the Verbal family makes their way to lead us in our closing song. Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us the ultimate reason not to fear. And 
Father, we praise Your name and thank You for the comfort and joy of that tiny baby. That the God of the universe, that Your Son, Jesus, would be willing to leave heaven and enter into the womb of a peasant girl and be born a human being. All because He loves us. All because You love us. That God Himself would become human. Father, thank You for the gift of Your Son. Please give us the strength and the courage, Father, to live selfless lives of service. To love You. To love You back, Father, with all that we are. All our heart. All our soul. All our might. All our mind. And Father, as You have directed us in loving You by loving our neighbor as ourself. Oh, would You please... Find us to be your love to a world desperate for it. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, West Bulls.